0: A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. As I watched, thrones were set up and the ancient one took his throne. His clothing was bright as snow and the hair on his head as white as wool. His throne was flames of fire with wheels of burning fire. A surging stream of fire flowed out from where he sat. Thousands upon thousands were ministering to him and myriads upon myriads attended him. The court was convened and the books were opened. As the visions during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. When he reached the ancient one and was presented before him, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. The word of the Lord. To
1: the Lord is king. The Lord is King the Lord most high over all the earth
0: the Lord is King let the earth rejoice let the many islands be glad clouds and darkness around about him justice and judgment are the foundation of his throne
1: the Lord is King the Lord most high
0: over,
1: high all over all the
0: earth. earth. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his justice, and all peoples see his glory.
1: The, the Lord, Lord is king, the Lord
0: most, most high, high over all the earth. All the earth. Because you, O Lord, are the Most High over all the earth, exalted far above all gods. The,
1: the Lord, Lord is King, King the Lord, Lord Most, most high, high over all, all the earth. earth.
0: A reading from the second letter of St. Peter. Beloved, we did not follow cleverly devised myths, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father. When that unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. Moreover, we possess the prophetic message that is altogether reliable. You will do well to be attentive to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. The word of the Lord.
2: Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother, John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. To aid us in entering into the mystery of the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus, presented to us us annually on every sixth day of the month of August, but also liturgically, every year annually during the Lenten season, it usually falls on the second Sunday of Lent. Let us focus our attention on the fact that it's Peter, James, and John that are led to this high mountain. Tradition gives us the name. It's been discovered to be, or believed to be Tabor. And those who have gone to the Holy Land know it is indeed a mystical setting in which to experience the gospel, to experience the Holy Mass atop this mountain that oversees the Jezreel Valley. Peter, James, and John are highlighted in all of the four Gospels as being intimate of the Twelve with Jesus. In other words, they were given privilege to be with Jesus at pivotal times in his mission of bringing salvation to the entire world. This is a, obviously a significant time because contextually, Jesus has been asking the question of the disciples. Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And the disciples gave Jesus the responses that were common at the time. One says, some say uh, Elijah uh, uh, Jeremiah uh, or one of the prophets. But then Jesus poses the question, but who do you say that the Son of Man is? Simon, son of Jonah, says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, this caught the full attention of Jesus, who affirms this revelation and confirms it by saying, you are blessed, Simon, for no mere flesh and blood has revealed this to you but my heavenly Father, and I declare to you, you are Kepha, which means rock, and I shall build my church upon you, and I shall entrust to you the keys of the kingdom. For as we know, no one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal. This is the the significance of how it is that this revelation comes to us. And this scene of transfiguration is what we call a theophany. When we have a revelation of God, God, in terms of geographical locations, chooses mountains. It's usually atop a mountain. Significant to hear that Moses and Elijah appear in the scene. And by the way, all three of the, of, the, uh, of the four Gospels, the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all present us with this scene of transfiguration. Only one of the three synoptics, Luke, actually discloses what was Jesus saying to Moses and Elijah because they were conversing. Luke discloses that they were, he was discussing with them his, his subsequent exodus out of the world back into heaven. But listen to the details. The voice is heard as this cloud, this shining cloud, overshadows them to the point where it casts a shadow. They become fear-stricken. The voice is the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The cloud is reminiscent of and it's meant to impress upon us the glory cloud of the presence of God, the Shekinah, the Hebrew, the Shekinah, which, would, which accompanied the Hebrew children on their sojourn out of the place of slavery in Egypt into the promised land across the Jordan River. Remember, in the daytime, God's presence was revealed as a pillar of a cloud, a, a shining cloud, and in the nighttime as the fiery column of flame. We see here revealed to us the mystery of God as a trinity of persons, the voice of the Father, the reality of the second person of the Trinity. Jesus, the God man, is is there, being divinized, if you will. His manifesting of his divinity is showing forth. And of course, the cloud representing the Holy Spirit. All three are present. Peter is overwhelmed. Gosh, it is good that we are here, Lord. Shall I build three tents if you'd like it? I can make three tents, one for you, Moses and Elijah. Well, he didn't know what he was talking about. He was overwhelmed. But I can certainly identify with Peter's words. When I went to the Holy Land for the first time with priests from all over the world in 2009, that's what I kept finding myself saying like a broken record over and over again as we would go to these different locations where the eternal word of God assumed the human nature and walked on this earth. Think about that. The God of everything took upon himself the human vesture and walked on this earth for 33 years. And when we would go to these locations, I would find myself saying to my classmate, it is so good that we are here. It is so good that we are here. I tell you, I was like a broken record. But more than being present at these locations, what was even more, what superseded that was the fact that we had the opportunity to celebrate the Holy Eucharist at those locations. For in every single Mass, the reality of the transfiguration, what's being described to us, is presented to us in the Mass. We hear the teaching of prophets and the law in the first reading and the culmination of everything fulfilled in Christ Jesus, which is the gospel. The New Testament is an opening, if you will. It's an expansion of what Peter, James, and John, and the others were able to fully comprehend only with the revelation of God through Jesus, the God-man. For so long it's speculated that the reason why Jesus is in the midst of Moses and Elijah it's because he's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and certainly it's a legitimate insight. But it's saying something more, even much more fundamental as it pertains to the persons of Moses and Elijah. Remember their role in salvation history. Moses leading the children out. What was one of his desires as he was atop Mount Sinai? He wanted to see the face of God. But God said, it cannot be. You can know a human being can look upon me in your, na- in your condition and live. But what did God do in his mercy? He hid him in the cleft. He placed Moses in the cleft of the mountain. So as he would pass by, he disclosed his identity, declaring himself, the Lord. The Lord. A God who is slow to anger, gracious and merciful, compassionate. And as, you know, Moses, I guess, couldn't help himself, he had to take a glimpse. He saw the back of God. But isn't that just how it is for us? We have moments in our lives that are transfigurative, transformative moments, great moments. But it's so close to us in the moment. It's not until we look back. When we look back on the time, then we can see, wow, I didn't know it then, but now I can see so clearly Elijah, he was running from after having contended with the 450 false prophets of Baal. He was atop the same mountain, shivering in fear, and he also was desiring some sign from God. He actually was praying for death, but God would have none of that. There was again a theophany. I mean, how did it come? It wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the great fire. It wasn't in the strong driving wind. It was a still, small voice. And when that happened, Elijah covered himself in his cloak and realized what was going on. So what we have here is Moses and Elijah finally have the opportunity to look upon the face of God with unveiled faces, because of the mystery of the Incarnation, the communion, the marriage between divinity and humanity in Jesus the Christ. So we find ourselves here wondering at this, hopefully. The description given to us by Daniel in the, second, the seventh chapter of his book, his prophetic writing. He's describing one who is from heavenly origins. When we hear of beings from heaven, they are always presented as being dressed in these dazzling white appearance of clothing. And unlike Moses, remember when Moses went up the mountain and came down, his face reflected the glory of God so much so that the people begged him, please cover your face, we can't look upon you. And so he did, he veiled himself. But Moses here, as we see it presented in the gospel, Peter, He's wanting to build tents. He wants to put Moses and Elijah on the same level as Jesus. Well, this cannot be the case. They're not on the same level. Jesus isn't reflecting glory. He's manifesting glory. He is the God-man. And how they needed to hear it then and how we need to hear it now. Remember, he had just disclosed to them What was going to happen to the Messiah? What was the mission of the Messiah? And what would have to take place in order for the gift of salvation to be given to the entire world? Peter remonstrated with the Lord. But Jesus would have none of it. Get behind me. You're serving as an you're like a Satan to me. You're like an obstacle. Get behind me. In other words, you're following me. Remember that. It was a scandal. It was a scandal for them then, and it's also scandalous for us sometimes today. We find ourselves in dark times, but every generation has had their fair share of dark times. And this is why I think it's so significant to hear what Paul, what Peter says in his second epistle. He says, we ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. Moreover, we possess the prophetic message that is altogether reliable. Isn't that something to dare? Thank God to hear it. It's a reliable message. This isn't something, the revelation of the gospel isn't something that comes around as a result of somebody having a trip on ecstasy or heroin or whatever they were getting their whatever on. No. These were, these were sober-minded men, simple men, down to earth, experiencing this majestic revelation of God in the one that they had come to believe in and love. He goes on to say, you, you and I, in other words, will do well to be attentive to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Now, as they were coming down from the mountain, they were given a prohibition by Jesus. Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. But that prohibition has been lifted. Because as we know, Jesus has come forth from the dead. Hence the revelation and the testimony of Peter in his epistle. So to you and I, this is most significant. But why Peter, James, and John? St. Thomas Aquinas, commenting on this event, says the following He says the reason Peter, because Peter of the Twelve was the one who loved the Lord the most. Why John? Because of the twelve, it was John who was loved by Jesus the most, always declaring himself as the beloved of the Lord. And why James? Of the twelve, it would be James who would ultimately confirm his love for the Lord by laying his life down, allowing himself to be martyred by decapitation by Herod Antipas. So we see in Peter, James, and John a model for us. The call of the gospel, the law of God says, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul. Well, Peter is the embodiment of this. And with that type of, of a love, what happens? It, 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 it elicits from our God a love that is beyond all telling, so that you and I are designated as chosen by God the Father and His Son as His beloved sons and daughters, to such an extent that we hopefully are filled with joy, we're filled with zeal, to the extent that we move with courage, as did James, to the point of even, yes, laying down our life if it should come to it. This is the mission of the Redeemer Revealed to us, given to us, in this our day and time. That reliable message is now in our hands. We still hear the declaration of the Majestic One, the Ancient of Days. In every mass, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is entrusted to us. As we come before the Lord today, as the great Shekinah, the cloud of the presence, overshadows us, as the Holy Spirit realizes the exchange of love beyond our telling, we humble ourselves, we bow before our God, and we hear the words of the one sent by the Father Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Let us receive him with a renewed focus and attention and a disposition ready to move on the promptings of the Spirit of the living God imparted to us on this day. God love you.